Hey, it's the FinTech Newscast. My name's John, and with me is a guy who wishes he had kept his Ethereum holdings. Steve, how you doing? I sure do. I also wish you a happy new year, but yes, I wish that I had kept my Ethereum holdings. Yes, big, yeah, big yeah. Our first, uh, our first show back uh, in 2024 uh, after, uh, 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 man, I keep saying this. This is going to be the quiet year? No, nope, no, it's nope. not. Elections. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my At God. Least. Yeah. At least that. Yeah. Well, here, COVID twenty four. COVID twenty four. Don't say that. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, shut your mouth, John. Don't say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It 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 feels like the future, John. It feels like the kind of year you read in like a sci fi novel, like in the year twenty twenty four. But here we are. No flying cars. So, uh, yeah, we are getting a, a lot of um, new trends continuing from from last year. AI, I think, is it will have the biggest influence. There's so much stuff getting uh, applied to anyway it's overhyped like oh i'm gonna lose my job because of ai this is still way down the road uh but but the hype cycle at least the investment uh still in there open ai releasing um uh, more products that that's my prediction 24 will will roll in the ai into at least for the tech world and the fintech world the the most changes so I have a, 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 a prediction, actually, that, that I'm going to layer on top of yours. And mine is that all these models will be commoditized, meaning that right now we can see sort of clearly how uh, um, OpenAI is a leader in this. But I think that as models get, get more data, more training data, more use as well, uh, other models by other companies like even BARD and Google, et cetera, will be, um, if not oh, you as mean good like language as models GPT, better. AI, AI models. Yes. I think the the LLM space will be essentially commoditized this year for sure. Actually, I think the opposite. I, I think when things start to take off, there'll be people driven to find new solutions, like or maybe finding old solutions or, or things that work in other areas and applying it into AI. Uh, so uh, yeah, maybe I I think maybe there there's a drive to find a lot of different solutions for. Uh, for AI and for uh, generating the kind of um, results that it does. Well, that's a, an interesting take. Let's put a wager on this. $20. We'll settle this next year. Two people that don't know about AI are going to exactly. tell you what's going to happen. It's, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. It's yeah, a fun yeah. gamble. Well, that's why we have people on that know more than us. And we definitely have that this week with Daniel French, the partner and co-founder at OwnProp. Welcome to the show. Yeah, John, Steve, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of the podcast and love the passion around fintech and what you guys do. We love it. That's for sure. So any take on the AI or what you think will happen in 2024? I, if I was betting, I think I'd go with, with John. Uh, John, you were the one that said it, um, it might fracture or speci specialize as we go along. Is that yes. You know, I would I would probably take that bet. Uh, I think I think there there might be a period of um, consolidation to begin with, but then later on, we'll see it fan out and and probably specialize. If I had to guess, but but then again, you know, I don't. There's so many people that know so much more about AI, honestly. Um, no, no, you're you're a smart guy, Daniel. I think that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're together. We're together on it. But yeah, yeah. It's exciting, nonetheless, and 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 just to see the applications unfold, and you know. I, seeing how it, it can impact real estate and impact uh, some of the tech products we're building. It's, it's super exciting. Uh, I think it's going to improve humanity. Uh, I'm, a, I'm definitely in that category. Uh, I'm not a naysayer uh, or a doomsdayer, 
anyway, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my take on AI. I think it's well, you you have to be a, a super positive guy to be entrepreneur to start a business to to think that I could change the world that I could have that that my plan is going to work and, and that's a that's a healthy thing if you're doing what what you've been doing. Uh, you you've started a couple of businesses or or built up a, a couple of businesses, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, shout out to all the entrepreneurs and and you guys are entrepreneurs. So, you know, it's, it's, it is a kind of a crazy path. And, uh, but, but I'm, I've been so blessed to be part of uh, a lot of great things. And, and so with my business partner, his name is Pete Rex. Uh, he's uh, really the founder of, of so many of these things. And I've been his partner for 18 years. So I've been alongside it. And, um, but, but yeah, we've, we've done a lot of things, uh, in partnership and and then leveraging so many other talented folks, you know, uh, and always trying to get people who are mission oriented and and have a ton of upside uh, and equity in the businesses that we create. So that's that's in large part how we've done, and we kind of have an ecosystem uh, around the real estate space. That that's really interesting. Yeah, and and finding the right partner, people that um, kind of push you up and have great ideas and work work on these things. You know, I've been working with Steve for years now. Nothing, nothing out of it. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you've you've done the, the one of the first basic steps right there. Uh, but tell us about uh, OwnProp. What what is the uh, the problem that OwnProp solves for? Yeah. So OwnProp is a platform uh, that's designed. It uses blockchain technology to allow people to trade in and out of um, you know fractional interests of real estate so so the idea there the, the vision is that uh you can you can go on ownprop so ownprop.com or there's an it's in the app store um and, and you can go ahead and find uh high quality real estate assets that the minimum investment amount is a lot lower than what you can find by just being a private investor uh anywhere else pretty but much. like what what's the comparison so uh right now the the, the one Offering that we have active is is uh, a ten thousand dollar token in a real estate fund that's um, that, that's diversified across let's say ten or fifteen different assets. So you can buy into this fund for ten thousand dollars. Now the sponsor of the fund, uh, the minimum stated uh, you know investment amount is one million dollars. So a million dollars versus a ten ten thousand dollar token that you can get an own prop. So. That's a hundred times more accessible, and we want to democratize the ability to invest in real estate because we believe that anyone, uh, and this is a long range vision, of course, but anyone should be able to, instead of just putting their money in stocks or or bonds or something that's like a little bit easier to trade, uh, we want that exact experience to be available for real estate assets because real estate is, it's a tried and true way to build wealth, right? So. If, if you can uh, if you can get access to high quality real estate investments, we believe that's that's really excellent for humanity and 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 it can be a global phenomenon too, right? It's people I can imagine someone in India, Singapore, parts of Africa getting access to United States real estate and putting some of their money to work for them. And then in you know five or ten years they can trade out of that asset or maybe in five months. But let me pause there. That's a lot maybe to take in, but but I'm happy to dive into any of that. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious, Dan. Um, so you cover both uh, commercial and residential real, real estate. Um, and, and it seems like from what I've seen on your platform, a lot of the properties tends to be in the south. Um, I saw re a, a recent news report saying that a lot of the real estate downturn actually is taking place in the south as well, which is like Georgia, uh, Texas, Florida. And I'm wondering, how do you grok the fact that there's uh, there seems to be a structural decline in prices in real estate? And correct me if if I'm wrong. Um, especially in commercial real estate and what your platform is trying to do here. No, Steve, you're 100% right. And and actually, you know, my, my background is um, much more on the real estate investment side. That's where I began my career um, almost two decades ago in real estate. Um, so so I, I do understand the real estate investment side and, and the real estate operation side as well. We got into tech um, real estate technology because we felt we felt the pain points of being investors and being operators of real estate so that's why we launched uh into the real estate tech space but <clears throat> yes there there is a massive decrease in pricing that we've seen um and and that's because interest rates have risen so fast it's a historic rise in, in terms of how rapid it was so it happened so fast and <clears throat> it's a 20 year high from where where it's been so for the last 20 years, this is the highest rates we've had, right? And it happened so fast because the Fed did so many rate hikes so quickly that it really, uh, it took the many parts of the real estate industry and, and threw it for a loop. Like, you know, people are really off balance right now. And so you can't, you cannot pay the same amount for a real estate asset today than you, that you could have uh, when the rates were near zero. Right, because your debt is so much more costly. So, so, so the amount you can actually pay for that asset really had to kind of it had to come down. And we've seen in, in multifamily uh, and in other asset classes, this is down twenty five or thirty percent in most cases. Well, wow. um, so, so, you know, if you're well capitalized and you believe that the future is bright for that market that you're betting on, I think it's a really excellent time to buy real estate because you have this this correction that we've seen. Yes. Sure. Steve. Yeah. Buy low, yeah, yeah. sell high. Come on. I, <laughs> so basically your, your, your thesis is that this is sort of a, a temporary bump on the road and not a structural decline in prices. And then we'll see eventually prices come back up again. Yes. But it, it, of course it depends on what, what asset class uh, within real estate. Like I, I wouldn't want to bet on traditional office. I, I just don't see, I, I, I see such a, uh, you know, such headwinds there and and i don't see people going back to the traditional office in the, in the same way in the same numbers yeah, but sure. if, if we're talking multifamily, yeah i think it's temporary i think i think they're uh i don't claim to know what the fed's going to do but i do believe uh what i read and what, what i what i believe is that they have to bring rates down here in the in the year next year maybe maybe it's the next two years but but that's going to help with pricing and then also uh, a lot of the new supply that has come online is because when interest rates were so low, it was very easy to, to make deals work, right? Because your construction debt uh, made a lot more sense. It penciled out uh, your deal and, and you were able to develop a lot of um, new units are, have come online that started when interest rates were basically near zero, 2021, 22. Now they're delivering Right. So we have this kind of like temporary glut of new supply. But that'll be absorbed if it's a really strong market where people want to live, that'll be absorbed. And then uh, 
if you think about today, there's not a lot of shovels going in the ground today. So then there will be another gap coming up maybe in 2025 or 26, where people didn't put shovels in the ground uh, today in the last 12 months. Um, so this is maybe a, a, a sli slightly beyond what you do with with Oprah, but I'm I'm just curious. Um, I've heard a, a lot of uh, reports and analysis and highlighting how there seems to be a lot of private equity companies out, like BlackRock and mm -hmm. other um, asset management asset management types, essentially buying a lot of the the residential re real estate market in the U.S. Um, how do you think that that will affect the markets in five years? Do 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 you see that as as sort of distorting the market, or is it just another buyer? Does, does that make a difference? I, I'm, I'm just curious about how you, how you think about the effect of private equity on, again, the residential real estate market. Yeah, good question. And so this is for single family homes, right? Is that what you're talking exactly. about? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's been some news about this, you know, and, and I saw a lot of this unfold when, when they were, um, Blackstone was one of them, the ones that went in, uh, and just really, really went and blew it out and, and just bought up, you know, tens of thousands of uh, single family homes. And I saw some of this unfold because I was in Tampa, Florida, when when they started um, a really big push in that area. So I saw them start gobbling up different homes. And, you know, I think it, this is a complicated answer. It's a lot of nuance here. But but I, I think there's um at certain times in the market, it was good. Right. So so coming out of the great financial crisis, especially in Florida, a lot of homes um, were sort of left for dead. If you recall this phenomenon, um, they were foreclosed and they were abandoned. There was no one there to put capital, you know, CapEx dollars into these homes. And that can lead to a lot of blight in a neighborhood. And it's it's super sad. What if you're what if you're one of the people who actually paid your mortgage and now you're sitting next to, you know, four foreclosed properties? And that attracts a lot of bad elements sometimes, right? So, so in that regard, like private equity, I think had a really good role to play because they came into neighborhoods, and and in many areas that I saw them bring it back to life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, yep. Makes sense. And, and yeah, so we're we're a private equity firm as well. We did that for multifamily neighborhoods. So some neighborhoods were were really kind of demolished by the great financial crisis. We were the first ones in, in many. Uh, cases and we brought the, the neighborhood back to life and then you know the schools improve and you know like kind of good things happen because you, you fight that blight but then in good times it, you know you swing the pendulum and, and I can I can um, I have empathy for the people that are like well that's crowding me out you know as a as a home buyer I want to be able to buy a home I don't want to have to go up against this private equity you know massive behemoth that's buying up all the, the opportunities in my neighborhood. So I think there's a balance. I hope that's not a cop-out answer, but you know, I see a role for private equity. I just I I I do hope that um I you know my my, my best answer is that that municipalities need to allow for more single family housing to be built. That is number one. More housing. Absolutely. Yeah, more housing. Because that's gonna drive down costs for people. Look at you guys are in SF. Um I think it's very well known that that housing is so uh, to achieve there a depressingly good example. Yeah, it's depressing, and and that has such negative effects because then you have this the haves and the have-nots are so far away from each other, and um, so so you have this beautiful world-class city with spectacular you know culture and views, 
all these different things that, that SF is known for, but, but people can't afford to live there. It's because they don't build. Uh, clearly, you have a, a great background and long um, experience in the real estate area. So how do you guys jump into technology then? Did you have to like uh, outsource, uh, you know, offshore or do you hire people? How do you get that rolling? And, and how has that been going so far uh, on the operational uh, developing the tech that you need? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the credit goes to my, my uh, business partner, uh, Pete Rex. Uh, so it's rex.com. You can look at a lot of our uh, companies that we built or highlighted their own prop is one of them that we're talking about today. But um, all the way back in 2016 or so, you know, he moved to the West Coast, moved to Silicon Valley, put himself right in that in that space. And it's because um, we're all very mission focused in what, what we do. And real estate is a it's incredible. And uh, you can have a huge impact on, on people and humanity, uh, especially if you provide a great home and if you do a good job for your investors and that's all very exciting stuff, but, but tech just scales so well. So the idea was if we, if we go into tech, we can have an even bigger impact and it's a very big economic opportunity as well, because um, real estate, we had a first, uh, a first row seat, if you will, of how bad the tech was for our space. Like real estate is a, is a notorious laggard uh, in terms of having good tech built for it. There's a ton of tech. It's just not good. <laughs> it's like it doesn't it doesn't integrate well. There, there's just a thousand point solutions. They don't even they don't work well together. It's it's kind of a mess. So we had a vision that um hey no no bashing Google on here. Come on. <laughs> no, but we but our vision was that um of all these pain points, let's just pick let's pick a few and and we felt like we could do it better. So there was a learning curve, obviously. Uh, you know. Pete is a he's he goes super deep when he, when he gets into anything he does he goes very very deep so he went super deep he was in he put himself right into the heart of Silicon Valley um, immersed himself in all things tech you know everything architecture design engineering product user research everything right and then he started launching uh, different companies and and uh, and kind of uh, you know experimenting and. By 2021, we had launched, we had, we had done a lot of work in, in the interim period, but by 2021, we, we kind of settled on uh, the idea to launch 10 companies at one time. So, and they're doing 10, well. 10 companies at one time? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds a little wild. That, that's something we have, we haven't heard on here before. Yeah. 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 That's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. It's either uh, impressive or insane, but uh <laughs> we think <laughs> impressively insane. Yeah, impressively insane. No, you know, it's it, it was to access to power law. I think a lot of people are like, well, wh why would why in the world would you do a ten at one time? It's there was some method to to it. It's it's because um, you know, we expected that one or two would would really kind of rage and do very well, and then uh, you know, you might have a, a few that just peter out and fail. Oh, and like it, your own internal venture capital fund. It's like a VC. Yeah, that's so interesting. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, I'm not aware of too many ones that, uh, too many firms that do it this way. Some people have called it like a studio approach. Um, it's not quite yep. that either, but we, yeah, it's, it's super exciting and we're very long-term focused and, and we know that this stuff takes a long time to build out, but many of them, you know, there's seven of them that are still, they have revenue and they're working and they're getting new customers every day. So 
Um, they're still early stage, but well, uh, is it uh, the obvious question is, um, you know, are, are some going to suffer because there's not enough attention, capital, uh, hiring, all the resources being put into them versus some other ones? How, how do you balance that? And you go, well, maybe that failed. Maybe that was a good idea, but you know, with nine others, we couldn't just put put what it needed to to succeed into it. Yeah, look, it's a fair debate, and and I think we just have to be just just like a a board member, or you know, you, you have to figure out to feed the winner and starve the loser. So you have to be very in touch with how things are going uh, in every company, and 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 we've done we've done that. We've we've been we've paused certain companies, or or we've kind of uh, deprecated them, and and then we've we've put more engineering resources, and and to answer the the first question we had some folks in-house then we had some folks um in india and sri lanka that were uh doing development for us so we had we had a, when we continued that as well a blend of um offshore onshore but yeah i think you have to you have to be very uh judicious and and have that kind of dispassion about like hey i'm i'm, I'm here to represent in, in our case we have investors and, and investment capital and so you have to represent people well and say, hey, that that is a good use of our of our precious dollars. And that one, not right now. Okay, yeah, I see on the website, rex.com. They're they're all related to real estate in some way, property management, uh, and uh payments, um, uh maintenance. Uh so it's not like these are 10, you know, random companies. These are all within the space. So so they're all feeding on each other as well, right? Or they're they kind of interconnects or modular? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you hit the nail on the head pretty much. But so I think I think Paul Graham was the one that said, you know, they he's the head of YC, uh, Y Combinator, and and he was um, reflecting on they've seen what thousands of founders now coming come through the the YC you know platform. And so they were studying, you know, what what makes a good founder a successful founding team, and they found one of the key things is that people stay within their space. They have something unique, some unique knowledge or experience about um, what they're building. So it's not just like a thought experiment, right? They 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 have a pain point that they personally experience, and and so that's why we only stick. You know, it's it's out of humility. It's like. Well, I can't build health tech. <laughs> I don't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah. Can't build yeah, yeah, and the passion kind of shows through in the in the product as well. Yeah, exactly. And and you're just more likely to stick to it because you you, you know what's there. You know that pain point's there and you can solve it for yourself or for one or two customers, you can solve it for a lot more. Um so so yes, um your question was about synergy. They're supposed to kind of uh, many of them kind of pull one another. So if you get one customer uh, for a business called ID Core, that helps verify they have insurance. Well, if that person or vendor doesn't have insurance, it can it can uh, get insurance from another of our companies called InsurePro. So that's see they kind of hook into each other. Some of them, yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I see I'm there's a uh, for for you, Steve. There's a there's a job opening for fintech. Product manager. So if you want to get that resume, <laughs> you go, yeah, let's go. Hey Daniel, did you want that? Uh, did you want that uh, show published? Um, here's my yeah. resume. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. 
I, I'm curious, just just one more question on sort of the the studio model that that is really interesting. Um, so you mentioned that out of the ten companies that, that you've launched, seven are 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 going concerns right now. What what is the criteria that you use to pull a company? Is it just you know their lack of traction or product market fit? How do you see or how do you determine when to say this this company is not going to be a winner? Let's just focus on on the other one. And also, is the end goal to get to say three or four or five, or to get to actually just one that you really put all your eggs in in one basket, or do you start the next year? I'm just curious about how this this whole process works. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, again, it's a it's a bit of a nuanced, complicated answer, but but yes, the the first criteria would be do we have did we get it wrong? Because sometimes from 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 the idea phase to even building an early um, prototype that's like low fidelity or whatever you, mm -hmm. people just don't you got it wrong you know you, your your thought in the real world there was no market fit right so we saw that actually um there was one called uh shop supply that we thought was it, it was supposed to help out um folks that were because the the, the shop in a in a let's say a multifamily apartment community is like a mysterious space no one knows what's in there and you know, all this, it's really hard to order um, parts and have it be, uh, you know, taken care of for you. And it's, it's very manual. It's it's terrible. So we had this thought and and it might just be an idea that's too early because you might need cheaper tech for, for camera and, and some of the stuff that like what an Amazon Go is, you know, like if Amazon Go becomes very cheap, then you can put that inside of a shop and then boom, shop supply makes sense. Sometimes you just you don't feel like um, they're a strong product market fit or your idea is too early. And my hope is that many of them do well because then we'll have a bigger impact. And, and I do think vendors, um, maintenance people, operators in, in the real estate space, no one really builds good tech for them. They're forgotten. You know, so I, I really feel like their lives will be improved um, if, if and when we uh, succeed in, in uh, getting these things out to millions of people, right? Yeah, you have such an entrepreneur mindset. You know, you're like, "Hey, how about how about we do we solve this problem, Daniel? We can we can try to fix this." And yeah, let's do it. How about this other? What about general contractors? Let's take care of them too. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> let's do ten. Let's do them all. <laughs> Unlike uh, table, you know, yeah. a lot yeah. of people, when, when and I'm sure every entrepreneur has heard this is uh, people come to you with their idea. And they put no effort into it, but they think the idea has some value by itself. Uh, but but it's the work and the, the effort you put into it. That, it's the, it's that, the execution, actually. That turns an idea, a entrepreneur, into an entrepreneur. Yeah, so well said. That's that's perfect. And yeah, I was just I was just reading that very point in um a book last night that we're we're doing as a, le a leadership kind of um, reviewing the same book. It's called In Search of Excellence. Very, very good book. Oh, yeah. Tom Peters. Yeah, yeah. That's an old book. I read that when I was in high school. Really? Nice. Wow. You were I loved it. It, it must be really uh, old. <laughs> you it, it, it is. It's like 1985, maybe? <laughs> yeah, uh, 81 or 82, something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe older. The examples are like, uh, uh, they, I love the way he gives all kinds of different examples. Uh, you know, I was a huge fan of that book. Um yeah, uh, early exactly. on. I yeah, never, for whatever reason, I never read it, and um, then my business partner Pete said, "Hey, man, this this one's so good. We should just do it as a leadership, uh, um, sort of like a leadership retreat. Focus on the book and and talk about it. So that's what we're doing. But that's what they said last night. You know, the idea, the guy, the the person with the idea, 
is a dime a dozen. The person not the value, right? Yeah, the true innovator is the one that pushes, pushes, doesn't give up, you know, finds a way, keeps bugging people, and then it, it's green lit, and then they keep going, and you know, there's failures, but then they keep you know keep going again, and then they just figure it out. So th those are the key people, the the ones that are the true innovators. Yeah, yeah you know, it's kind of interesting. I've heard um. Uh, and I kind of want to know how you fall on this spectrum. Mm -hmm. I've heard founders uh, saying, well, uh, you should get your idea. If you have some something that you think you really want to pursue, either or some founders are like, well, just keep it to yourself because everyone's going to naysay. And uh, that's the one, um, uh, I, I forget her name right off the bat, um, but the, the Spanx um, woman. Mm. Uh, she's like, well, everybody was telling her that, uh, yeah, that's not going to work or the big clothing company, clothing companies, mm -hmm. uh, they would have done that or they'll just take over the market as soon as you jump in. And so she was like, just keep it to yourself because everyone's going to tell you reasons why you shouldn't do that or it shouldn't take. It's a huge risk uh, in a lot of cases if you really commit. And then there's other people. And this is more like I think I hear more from the VC crowd. Uh, who say, get your idea out there as soon as possible so you can poke holes and, and see if there's legitimate um, uh, concerns you should address. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that's more of a, a analytical, less of the emotional impact, uh, which is real. If you're starting a business, you have to keep that, that flame going, uh, as you said, through all the ups and downs and as you're, as you're overcoming all the obstacles. Uh, so how do you fall on that? Yeah, John, good question. I, I would I would fall more uh, toward the second part of the, uh, yeah. you know, where it's like, you know, get it out in the world. Um, and I think a lot of people are so protective of their ideas. And 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 if we just think about that, what I just what I just said, which I believe to be true, ideas are. I don't care. I, sometimes, you know, you can, you can put your idea on, on the billboard in, in Times Square and that doesn't mean someone can just do it, you know, hopefully exactly. You're, hopefully you're doing something you're uniquely qualified to do and, and you're extremely passionate about. So then how many people can fit that little space? Like you just got to hit that one little space that no one else is going to really go through all the pain of, of it than that you would. So you can tell the whole world. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So you have that confidence. You're not af uh, afraid of, um, uh, or you welcome the the negative, hopefully constructive criticism. OwnProp is also using uh, cryptocurrency as well. So the idea is that again, you sort of uh, you do um, uh, fractional in, in fractional investing in real estate, but you also the the the, the disbursements or the the or the um, or the dividends rather will actually be paid out. Initially via ACH and then at some point via USDC. Um, why why fold crypto into this whole thing? And do you think that helps you in 2024 to have sort of a crypto enabled platform now, or has that ship sailed? Yeah. Uh, so so basically the the first part is that uh, it's not quite there yet that we can mm. offer you know distribute your your earnings or your your distributions in cryptocurrency. That's that's not quite there. That's that's a vision for the future because we want people. We 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 want blockchain technology to come into the real estate space, and that's going to be what drives down the cost of of real estate transactions. So, and you know, in real estate, there's just so many people that need to get 
paid, you know, there's lawyers, there's um, accountants, there's people that are on in investor relations, there's people that that only their their only jobs to do distributions that as you have like a refi or a sale of a property, or even just quarterly, there might be extra cash or you want to push out. So we want to leverage blockchain technology to, to push down the cost of all this. And that way you can transact as well in and out of your position. So if you bought a token for, you know, even $500 today and in five years it's doubled uh, and now it's worth a thousand dollars. Well, Blockchain is going to help you uh, record that transaction to the next person that you sell it to, right? So if there's a if there's a buyer that shows up and say, "Hey, I like that I like that token for a thousand. I'm going to buy that today. We can record this on the blockchain, and that's going to that's going to make everything um, work a lot faster and be more simplified. Smart contracts will be able to handle all this volume because the volume is the thing that's that that makes all the real estate companies have the minimum investments go really high because they can't handle the volume. So, so that, that's a whole idea of like using this, this new technology. It's going to drive down the minimums and it's going to drive down the costs of servicing all of these different investors. Um, so paying back that, out that cryptocurrency, paying back on cryptocurrency is just kind of like, that's just, we, we feel like is part of the future. I, I do think that, that uh, crypto, whether it's in a winter or not, you know, Although Bitcoin is kind of raging uh, once again, but it's rallying, yeah, yeah, it's rallying because of the ETF announcement that's coming. But um, yeah, look, I do, I, I think there's a lot of people right now that are early adopters. They want to be able to get paid in a cryptocurrency or or a USDC or what you know. And so I think I think building for the future that might be five or ten years when we can really truly offer all those things. But that's I think where the puck is going building it in now so that you'll you'll be ready to scale up but exactly exactly yeah 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 interesting pretty smart <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you steve so what do you want to happen in 2024 for own prop to take off what what's the what are the obstacles you'd like removed or the conditions or or what 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 do you see for own prop in a in a in an up scenario Oh, well, look, perfect world. I think the SEC would um, allow for the opening up of uh, people to invest in real estate. Right now, uh, it's you have to be an accredited investor, and and that's a that's a very high bar, right? Most people are are not an, an accredited investor, so they're locked out of a lot of the private placement opportunities that are out there. So um, to be accredited, you have to. I believe it's two hundred thousand. I know it's two hundred thousand for a single uh, individual and three hundred thousand for a household. So that that's a lot of money, right? For for folks, um, or there's a net worth thing that you can hit, but that's even a lot of money. So, you know, my my dream, and it's not going to happen in two thousand twenty four, of course, but is that the SEC opens up the ability, just like you know, I can go buy a little piece of Amazon stock if I want on Robinhood. Um, and I don't need to prove that I that I make a certain amount of money. It's just buyer beware, you know, figure out um, what the risk is and, and then you can do it. So I think that's where we need to go with real estate investment. So that way people can can have exposure to real estate. It's an it's not as correlated, right, to the to the stock market and bond market. And and you can use your local knowledge actually to bet on a real estate asset that you love. You know, you might be in Austin, Texas and say, Hey, I I love that new 
hotel. I want to, I want to invest in that, that hotel. I believe in it. You know what I mean? So in that way you can kind of beat the market and, and that would, that would truly democratize real estate. So that's, that's the, that's the vision and the dream. But, but uh, in the meantime, I just hope that own prop gets, gets out there. We, we help evangelize, we help um, explain to people what is tokenization. And of course, I hope that we get some customers along the way that want to buy a token. So that's yeah, where... some, some first steps. Yeah. Uh, so is there a way to convert that real estate into something, I don't know, like a REIT or something that would be uh, accessible to anybody like a stock? Oh man, well, I'm I'm definitely not the legal expert, but but there are some some ways where you can. I think it's called a Reg A offering. It's not what we've done thus far, although we've we've looked into it quite a bit. Um, but but again, I'm not a lawyer, but but I do think there that is an opportunity where folks can. Uh, if you're not accredited, I believe you can you can have more uh, more leeway for those folks to go into a Reg A type offering, but. But there's a lot of hurdles, very, very costly from a legal standpoint um, to do that with a property. Um, but but good question. I think, uh, again, not not the legal expert here, but. It's not the straightforward, easy thing to do. Huh. Well, uh, I hope the SEC is listening and grants your wish for 2024. Thank you. I, I hope so as well. Yeah, be... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thank you for joining us uh, this week on the podcast. That was a pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's Thanks, Daniel Sam. French, the partner and co-founder at OwnProp. Please hit subscribe to keep up with the latest in fintech news. And thank you for listening. <laughs>